If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the rundown where every week the Fab Four get together. Today we're talking about bombs away, bombs dropping in Syria. At least the drones have pride flags on it. And there are no mean tweets associated with it, so I'm sure the Syrians are happy about that. The Pope goes to Babylon to pray with heretics and pagans. This will drive some people nuts. The meat of the future. We're going to talk about the meat of the future. And in Fauci Watch, we got two different Fauci videos to cover. You're not going to believe what this guy is saying these days. Punitive deployments for troops that are vaccine hesitant. Is that an actual thing coming down the pike? Military leaders speak out. And then finally, do you remember when Jeb Bush said it's an act of love to illegally cross the border? Well, you'll never guess what the new Archbishop of the pro-life movement says is the new act of love. Here we go. zombies those are literal zombies says, me, these fauci people me what is wrong with them i don't actually want to be the lady with the pink pants though holding the flag i don't know about you guys but that's not <laughs> I, I think can i can i choose neither neither of the above is that an option well, it looks like we lost brother, but it's he'll just... dial back in, I'm sure. Bombs away in Syria, Ryan, um, but at least there are no mean tweets associated with it. Do you think the people of Syria are, are thankful for that? <laughs> uh, I think the people of Syria are not particularly thankful for the United States, uh, given that the U.S. controls their own oil fields that belong to them. And because of what? Because, you know, they let Hezbollah in there, you know, which has a number of different uh, parties, both you know, political and military, uh, because of Assad. Basically, Assad will not play ball with the New World Order. And he's trying to, you know, cut corners around the Wall Street, London order of things. So and that's been the case all the way back to 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when a lot of this started. And you have the Syrian McCain, all these wonderful guys, they're all ex-Al-Qaeda that were now given U.S. dollars to go after Assad. And then... What do you know? Then you have ISIS that comes around. Once the Syrian army had beat the free Syrian army, the U.S.-backed army, then you get uh, ISIS. 
which is again funded, you know, pr- in principally through Turkey by NATO. So, and then that's where all of that, because you got to ask, where is all this money coming from that that ISIS was getting? You know, so what did Trump do? Change direction. A lot of that funding dried up, and what happened? ISIS dried up, even though he makes the you know the claim mm-hmm. that. Oh, we beat ISIS, we, you know, and he threw a few token bombs here and there. But the the amount of suffering and horrible things that have been caused by you, the U.S. and U.S. partisans in Syria is, is horrible collateral damage, horrible. I saw a video of um, of the Syrian president talking, and uh, you know, if you didn't if you didn't know that he was kind of a thug. Um, and you just listen to the words that were coming out of his mouth. He's actually yes. pretty based. I mean, he stands for traditional values. He stands for modesty, traditional right. marriage, protection of his own culture. He doesn't want the, you know, the, the the deviancy that we tend to export out of the United States. But, uh, but Steve, is it a coincidence now that the usurper in chief is in the White House and suddenly it's bombs, bombs away in the Middle East? Well, I mean, it's, it's nothing has changed. I mean, uh, the outsider. Trump bombed Syria back in 2017, 2018, April 14, 2018, to be exact. You can still look that up. Uh, here's a headline from uh, NBC News. Trump's, uh, Trump announced the strikes on Syria followers suspect a chemical weapons attack by Assad forces. So that's uh, as much as things change, everything stays the same. And if you look back at the uh, the Rumsfeld, the, the famous Rumsfeld video mm-hmm. from years ago when they talk about seven countries that they want to basically destroy and take over. We've been going after Syria for how long now? As Ryan was bringing up a little historical uh, timeline for that. So this, not nothing nothing has changed. We've been bombing them for, it's, it's what we do. Yeah, well, and let's not forget the fact that uh, the Syrian war, uh, where Obama famously drew the Red line, the thin red line that was um, apparently crossed. We don't really know, though. Um, that created a migration problem, and two million Syrians headed into continental Europe. Uh, a lot of them were taken in by Angela Merkel in Germany. She's on her way out, thankfully. Um, but, you know, Germany became like the rape capital of Europe because of all these Syrian migrants. I mean, it's... Um, and because it wasn't just migrants it was specifically selected uh males of you know questionable you know you know integrity you couldn't really verify who they Mm -hmm. were just coming by the trucklets families no uh syrian christians no uh uzidis no alawites no just specific syrian men in their 20s uh, those are the ones they they're shipping around everywhere, and it's an odd thing. Why why only them, and not you know anybody else? And you look at Christians in Syria. I mean, Catholics and Syrian Orthodox, they have been there since uh, basically since Saint Paul, if you really want to get down mm-hmm. to it. But they've been there forever, and they and they've lived alongside you know Islam, not in a perfect arrangement. But you had about twenty five percent of Syria was Christian, uh, even you know twenty years ago. And that number has gone down. There are some cities in Syria that still speak Aramaic, right, back from ancient times. And then there, there are Muslims of various sects of Islam that live there. And they kind of, you know, respect each other, stay in your boundary, we'll stay in our boundary, and it works. And then you bring in the Wahhabis coming out of Saudi Arabia to start, you know, the terrorism and whatnot. So Assad, 
Bashar al-Assad is, uh, you know, the typical type of uh, populist leader in those countries. He's got to be tough because that's that's what they respect. Mm-hmm. That's what works in that culture. Right. Uh, he's not good. Neither was. But you're telling Actually, me Saddam you're telling good. me that the typical Middle and, Eastern man does not respect uh, someone like Kamala Harris <laughs> as a, as their leader. <laughs> yeah, Speaking no, they of, would not. Speaking and, of K dog. Oh hey. boy. <laughs> Back in 2018, after uh, Trump let the, some bombs fly out of the skies, <laughs> so I remember I can't remember that uh, comedian. He would talk about just here's what we do: we open up the door and go catch. <laughs> so Kamala uh, types out, tweets out: I strongly support the men and women in uniform. Blah 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 blah. But I am deeply concerned about the legal rationale of last night's strikes. The president needs to lay out a comprehensive strategy in Syria in consultation with Congress. And he needs to do that now. We are still waiting for that tweet for Biden right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wait, so she so said that about the Biden bombing or about the Trump bombing? That was that was back in uh, 2018. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have to have a strategy anymore. Once you're sitting in the White House, you don't have to have a strategy. By the way, yeah, who yeah, actually sits in the White House? Couples. I keep seeing all these headlines about Joe doesn't live there and Kamala may not live where she's supposed to live. Like, what's going on? Yeah, you see that there was a uh, Fox News, I guess, Dor- Dorsey or wherever Ducey asked about the Marine that was stationed outside. Uh, I don't know what side of the... Berlin Wall wannabe fence that he the Marine is supposed uh-huh. to be on, but he said the Marine wasn't there. Does that mean is Biden not there? Your military does that mean the Coast Guard is, is stationed there when they when he's I don't not know. there? If they put an airman there, the you, can, you can be sure that the president is not there, or at least the usurper in chief, as we uh, affectionately call him here on the rundown. But while we're still talking about the Middle East, guys, um, Pope's headed to the Middle East to Babylon, to pray with heretics and Jews and pagans and Muslims and Mohammedans and all flavors of uh, one-world religion. This is going to put some panties in the wad, I think, uh, especially for uh, Catholic haters around the world, the Protestants, as well as Catholic doomsdayers, the people who say this is like the three days of darkness is coming. Um, Are we getting too conspiratorial about this, Steve? Uh, it's. Uh, I was thinking. I thought you were going to get around it first. Actually, any priest that is upset about what's about to go down and is for pushing for wearing face muzzles and getting jabs should not say a darn word. I think because you're pushing superstition on one end while being upset at the Pope doing another simple act, pretty, pretty much basically over here. So until we get in the mirror and look ourselves and say, "Stop yeah. this." What what I mean, we got the Pachimama thing last year, you got this this year, you got guys over where let's say praying wearing masks, you got bishops tweeting about taking the poke. Uh like I tweeted out yesterday, it said the, the jab is now the state version of the Eucharist. So maybe I was at a parish yesterday just going in just to say hi to uh taking about 15, 20 minutes to say hi in between work and the hear this lady just going, I got the jab, I got and she didn't use jab. So excited. Do you get that excited receiving our Lord? No. Probably don't even think twice about it if if, if you do. But well, no, but she probably she's probably crazy. the type to receive our Lord in a little uh plastic baggie that's handed to her in her minivan by Karen and you know and Susan packaged it all up and uh, uh the, the presider that, the presider a, was present at some point, we presume. Well, maybe. That's another one, even though I'm getting off topic. Presider might have been some other guys. <laughs> well you gotta be you are a guy. 
priest, if you're letting a woman tell you how to run your parish and you're scared of that oh. woman, oh, Mike, what's Okay, you well, here, I think we have a solution. Here we go. Leave me but, alone. Why do you keep following me? It's honestly so uh, creepy, and I'm going to call the cops. Okay? Man, no, no, no. Because you guys aren't leaving me alone, and that's why women yeah, can't go out in the world by themselves because of guys like you. <laughs> what? Okay? So stop following you, me. You have? Oh, like, you just, I, don't, I don't know if you have, like, a like gas problem. You have a thing hanging out of your car. What are you talking about? There's a, literally a gas hose hanging out of your car. No one's being creeped. Oh. No, thank you. I guess. Thank you, uh, there's the thank you. That's uh, oh, she's what? She's taking it with oh, her. She does that. <laughs> Thanks for to get all of it. <laughs> wow, dude. You <laughs> didn't even close the gas can. She's out of here. Okay, uh, this is not commentary on how that woman was dressed, but Ryan, uh, are we talking about the whore of Babylon right now? <laughs> I don't want to say anything defaming of her character. I don't know anything about her, but um, this whole business of going down to Babylon for a prayer meeting, it's not functionally different from Assisi. And so it brings in all the same problems that really still haven't been worked out or addressed. They just get dismissed as, oh, you, you mean traditionalist. Don't you know it's the new ecumenical newness of newness? And so... Protestants are going to look at this and say, oh, you know, the, the, it is the horror of Babylon. See, it's just what we've always been telling you about, and even some Catholics, too. And so for that, I would recommend, I know we're not in Griff session yet, but <laughs> St. Robert Bellarmine on the Antichrist addresses uh, all that. So it's always about dialogue, but we never hear about conversion. We never hear about it. Catholic Answers tweeted this tweet about a week ago that the whole world needs to be, we just want the whole world to be Catholic. And I was like, that's great. But um, when... Your boss, the Pope doesn't want that, apparently. He said he doesn't want that, which is kind of the obnoxious thing. It's it's one thing to have cordial relations with the members and heads of other religions and and things of this sort. It's quite another thing. I say, let's get together because it gives the impression of syncretism. Yeah. It gives the impression that, oh, it's all one one thing, when really it is not. And you could have all the dialogue in the world. It's not accomplishing mm -hmm. anything. The divisions get you know, more heated, more ridiculous. Um, you know, fewer and fewer want to convert to the church because the church doesn't seem to even know who she is if she's constantly dialoguing like this. Uh, endless dialogue. We got Brother uh, back with us just in time. Brother Martin, two years ago, uh, Francis went to Abu Dhabi and signed the famous document in which he uh, proclaimed that God, in his positive will, uh, willed that all of the, the diversity of religions, including all the false religions that we used to condemn. Uh, now, uh, two years later, he renewed that document. Um, Brother Martin, can you? he's headed into, into Babylon, and he's going to be praying with all of these people. What are we to make of all of this? One of the people, one of one of the things people often bring up uh, when talking about can people outside the church be saved is the excuse that if you don't know the church exists, well, then you you can't really be at fault uh, for not believing in the true religion. Uh, I mean, here you have Pope Francis going out and meeting with all the people that you know the biggest people in in different religions. Um, that excuse doesn't exist anymore, guys. I mean. He's he's on the world stage now. Everybody pretty much knows the Catholic Church exists. There's there's no excuse. Uh, in which case, all these people, in order for them to to be saved, need conversion. They need conversion, and if they don't convert, then they're going to hell. Um, so it is pretty alarming that he, he's downplaying 
conversion that we can somehow just all pray and be nice, be good people, um, because that's not going to save anybody. Being being good, being good was possible before Jesus died on the cross. If if all it took was to be good to get into heaven, then then why did our Lord die on the cross? It's it's completely unnecessary. Um, so to be honest, it's 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 dishonest for him to uh, it's mm. dishonest for him to pretend like praying to a false God does anything for you. Mm. Um, it might make you more peace and calm regarding your, your troubles in life, but that, that's not going to save you ultimately and you'll spend eternity in hell. Um, so I think to be honest, he's mocking our faith and he's mocking their faith. He's mocking their goodwill. Really? He's, he's insulting their goodwill because if they had goodwill, then they'd convert or they'd at least be open to the, to the message of conversion. Um, Brother, you schismatic fool! There's nobody in hell. There's a bishop that says that hell is empty. Hell, hell is empty. It doesn't exist, right? <laughs> right. Hey, reason of, reason dare we hope? This, dare we time. hope that hell is empty? Because, a, uh, well, a, uh, <laughs> a non-excommunicated heretic named Balthazar says it. Right. <laughs> the, it's important to note too what what theologians say on the matter is that I mean, when in terms of you know the your entrance into the church and whatnot and your salvation is that the council of orange, like a fifth century or so. Uh, I mean, it's been lifted to, by the magisterium. Um, basically God gives sufficient grace for every single person to be saved. And it is possible. Uh, it, it's, it's more difficult, you know, when it, the, the implicit question is, is one that's debated in, in certain theologians. But what is certain is that if somebody did have true faith and charity and penance that, you know, ex opere operantes, that means on the side is, you know, his work cooperating with God's grace, somebody could be saved. Um, you know, which is what they call baptismus flum. You'd have to have explicit faith, according to the theologians, not this kind of Ron or anonymous Christian kind of nonsense. So, you know, that could happen. But we wouldn't know about it, and we don't know whether that's whether they have actually true faith, you know, because that would have to be given to them by God if it's not being given by a missionary, and you know, so we don't know that, and that's the thing, because that's usually what they'll come in with. Oh, oh, look, baptism and desire, um, that's only true one because nobody knows on the implicit question. They have to have explicit faith, whether it's given them directly by God or they hear it from a missionary. Two, they have to have true charity, love of God, and three, they have to have you know penance for their sins. If they don't have it. Um, they're, you know, they're not going to be saved. And so you don't, because that's on, on the side of the worker, you have no idea, mm-hmm. uh, if they're, that's, that's actually going on. That's why you need to preach the faith and preach the gospel to every human creature. And, 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 and when everyone jumps in, Oh, well, you don't know. Well, yeah. And you don't know that they're saved either. So when you err on the side of caution, you move for, you know, preaching the gospel in the missions. Um, and of course that's the one thing that you're not allowed to, to do anymore because that's uh you know insensitive to you know uh i don't know other religions or whatever to try yeah, you're to sounding really rigid there ryan um, i know i'm super rigid <laughs> it's just lacking a saturno to be extra rigid yeah that's right that's right um that's right and don't don't take light of that i remember a couple four or five years ago when francis first came out saying that uh uh basically prophesizing was bad i guess was yeah. was he saying his exact words we should be doing it. I was about to go down to a festival to give out rosaries and medals, and I had people in the church ask, I had a priest first ask me, why do I need to get them blessed? Because, quote, why do we need to convert them? And then another group before, while I was hauling the table down, well, why are you doing that? The, the Pope said not to. So people are listening to this garbage and thinking that's the way to do it. They, I mean, how many people are more 
uppity and rightly about the Rona religion mm-hmm. going after that. Oh, let's speak. And let's let's move into the Rona religion now. Working on trying to converting by through the one true faith. So speaking speaking of the Rona religion, uh, they need to really get their act together because I don't understand what their creed is. Their creed is ever changing. Here's Fauci on the changing creed of the Roman. Uh, did I just say Roman? The Rona religion. <laughs> the masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. Like, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Do we need yeah. a national mandate you or know, not? Yes. There are many people who feel, you know, if you really want to have an extra little uh, bit of protection, maybe I should put two masks on. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no data that indicates that that is going to make a difference. This is a physical covering to prevent uh, uh, droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. So Ryan, uh, Fauci says, wear three masks. Fauci says. We should play Fauci says one of these. That should be like a segment. We should do the Fauci says segment. Fauci says, wear four masks. Wear five masks. Oh, Fauci didn't say. Make it as like a joke board game type of thing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) These people can get their act together. Um, Speaking of little Fauci, though, Fauci has, notwithstanding his flip-flops on whether or not the uh, face diaper is good for you uh, because he can't seem to decide. What he has decided on, though, ladies and gentlemen, is that even after you take the Fauci ouchie, life will not go back to normal. Listen to what he says here. There are certain aspects of being vaccinated and what that means to you personally and your own personal safety and that of your family versus what vaccines will allow you to do in society. One relates to you yourself being vaccinated and the other relates to the number of people and the relative percentage of people in society that will be vaccinated because there will be things that you will not be able to do because the burden of virus in society will be very high, which it is right now. Even though we're going way down on the decline that Dr. Walensky showed you, we are still at an unacceptably high baseline level, with the seven-day average being quite high. So there are things, even if you're vaccinated, that you're not going to be able to do in society. For example, indoor dining, theaters, places where people congregate, That's because of the safety of society. You yourself, what you can do when you are together with another person, we are looking at that. And we're going to try and find out very quickly what recommendations could be made about what people can do. One of the things that's universal here that we know that at this point in time, it is unclear whether when you get vaccinated and you might be protected from clinical disease, which is the primary endpoint of the vaccine studies, that you could conceivably be infected, have virus in your nasopharynx, and at that same time have no symptoms. 
which is the reason why we recommend and say you still need to wear a mask. Because if you do have virus in your nasopharynx, even though we hope that when the data comes in, it's going to show that the very virus level is quite low and you're not transmitting it, we don't know that now. And for that reason, we want to make sure that people continue to wear masks despite the fact that they're vaccinated. Okay, so uh, even after you get the ouchie, life can't go back to normal because Fauci says. You got to play Fauci says, ladies and gentlemen. Fauci says get the poke. Fauci says you can't, uh, you can't go out even, even if you're woke. Get the poke, you're woke, you still can't. It's a joke. Uh, I'm a poet, I didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, what are, we, what are we looking at here, Steve? Like, when are these people going to wake up? That's what I'm asking. I don't know how long does people need to keep going before they get their head out of your nuts? I mean, they have been telling you this is not going to end. They've been showing that this was yet last year was a trial run. This there's no way this is ending on eight. This is going to be like this. There's smart mask coming out the WEF last week put on their web. The WEF, not me or Corbett or anybody like that that would be conspiracy theorists. The WE Dagum F put a video out talking about smart mask that it was kind of funny. Would tell you that you need to take it off to breathe. Ha! Showing that you can't <laughs> that CO2 levels were going up high. Oh, but that's conspiracy theory. You get kicked off for saying that. And then the Pope, you got 14% of the population. These United USS of A have taken the first one, at least one, and only 6.5% that comes out to 21.5 million have taken both doses. And they show it, come out with a report just the other day that the common cold <laughs> is helping with your immunity, basically. That uh, antibodies built up from the common cold will help you. You don't have to take the ru- the rushed experimental injection. But what do people... You're not hearing this from anybody else. They want you to keep going and do an annual test and an annual, annual jab. Mm-hmm. And you got Israel coming out saying that they're going to put a uh, vaccine tracker. They got the app going out. They'll be able to track and put out your personal information. And then 50% of their country rushed out to get the jab because they were terrified. And then England comes out saying the, I, the NHS app is now transferred to a you got it vaccine passport it's it's gonna get worse and nobody but, when's the NCAA start up I yeah. just that's that's only thing people care football season's coming I just want to try we we keep getting called ex, uh, conspiracy theorists here at the rundown and and very popular traditional so-called Catholic bloggers who run large websites um are now blocking us and and saying you guys are you guys are crazy but we've been saying this for months Ryan we're we're now living in the dystopian reality that we were all saying was coming our way 6 months ago why is this so hard for everyone else to see uh even over at let let's say 1 Peter 5 for example the normalcy bias oh this can't be happening and then the pace at which events happen you forget how quickly this is un- unrolling. You don't stop and realize because you have this kind of built-in bias that this won't happen, that, that these things don't really happen. But we've just watched it happen, literally. Uh, that's the wrong use of literally. But anyway, I mean, globally, mm-hmm. literally, 15 days to flatten a curve. 
365 days later, we're still flattening the curve. That the, the manipulation in the numbers, the fact that um, if you get tested, right, and uh, all these positive cases, if you die, it, you died because of COVID. Nope, doesn't matter. You died because of COVID. The flu just disappeared because of uh, face diapers and socialist distancing. Oh, wait, but uh, not enough people are wearing face diapers and socialist distancing. And, uh, oh, but uh, but if you die from the Fauci-ouchie, that, that's unrelated. That can't have anything to do with each other, even though there are more adverse reactions re- reported for the, the ouchie than for any... Uh, any one, any poke that has been in recent history, even the 1976 swine flu one, which is a case example of what happens when you rush a vaccine, you rush the poke. Oh, probably going to get a span from YouTube now, but it's a case example of what happens when you rush it. <laughs> is that you get all these adverse reactions all over the place because you just don't know what it's going to do. And it's the same thing here. So we've seen all of this stuff happen because we just looked at what the main players were saying and reported on it. And that's shut up, conspiracy theorist. And, th- and that's just the way it goes. It's this um, cognitive dissonance. I don't want to believe this could actually happen. And then such as the editor, one Peter five, I like him. Good guy. I used to be a lot tighter with him. We, you fell out over the Rona stuff. He just doesn't want to see anything. I got to say on it. Oh, well, there it is. But um, th- that's just life. It, some people are so deep in the matrix, they're not going to step out. Mike, I think you're muted. I think we just made the game time call that we're not going on YouTube. So uh, here it is. Masks don't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they did, they wouldn't be telling you to wear two of them. I know. No, but but literally, two. though, that, now, we've had a 77% <laughs> drop in, uh, in cases. And the, and, the, and the way that they've achieved that is to just change the PCR test cycling. I mean, it's literally... <laughs> It's the most. It's more manipulation than uh, even the January sixth um, thing. It's more manipulation even than the twenty twenty election. Carrie Mullins, the inventor of the PCR test. All right, you know, scientist, not crazy conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, not crazy traditionalist Catholic, whatever. He is, um, you know, he's dead now. He died conveniently right before the Rona broke out. Um, But, you know, he said that it was back in the 90s when he invented the test where he said the problem with this test is it's a laboratory test. It's too accurate. You can make it say whatever you want to say just by, you know, by by incorrectly you know running your if your cycle thresholding is too high you incorrectly use it you could identify all sorts of things that aren't even really there and that's why you need really strict laboratory conditions to use it now that you know people have been citing this fact and then you know the fact checkers which are actually funded by Bill Gates and and whatnot um, they come in and say oh no that's not true that's mm-hmm. a lie you know and he might have said something like this. You just look at YouTube. Within two minutes, you can find that video. And he says it exactly that way in that video. This is not a diagnostic test because it's too easy to get the wrong result. He has another video, too, where he goes off on Fauci, mostly relating what Fauci did during the AIDS crisis. And he just just lays it out. This guy is not even a real doctor. He's basically a fundraiser. He doesn't have half the idea clue about any of the terminology that feels he claims expertise in and and this is a guy that has that that expertise going off you know on fauci so and of course like i said he died in a car accident right before the wuhan flu broke out so huh surprise (laughs) you know it's um but again, you can find that we could put that in the links in the notes to those videos where he says that and so whatever about the fact checkers i mean you know that they they 
usually manipulate whatever they can to say anything they don't like is false. And we're just not we're just not going to go back to normal. And people do want to go back to normal. And people want their kids to go back to school. And uh, by the way, the school board works for the taxpayers. Here's a here's a school board video in California in which the school board is meeting on Zoom, of course, because they wouldn't want, they have to socialist distance. And when it's brought up that, hey, you know, 70 plus percent of the parents want to know when schools are going to reopen here. And you have one school board person who's saying, we don't know them an answer. In fact, the fact that, that they're asking for an answer is white privilege and slavery. Slavery. Here it is. Give somebody, we have to give the teachers, we have to give the students, the parents a date. What, at least we don't have to. We don't have to give anybody any date. <laughs> we don't have to do anything that we don't want to do right now. That's what you don't understand. I don't know where you're getting your information or who's telling you that we have to make a decision today. But that is not how this works. We do not. I know that you're new to the school board. I'm not saying this is a slight to you, but we do not have to make a decision today. Seventy to eighty percent of them have answered the survey. They want to come back to school. So this is what we're going to do. Who are the 70% and where are they? I would like to know geographically from which school site, which language group, and how we conducted this feedback. Where? Please give it to me before I can make a decision. I can't make one. I cannot make one. And I will not make one. You're welcome to abstain, I, I believe, right? There's no reason to be nasty with me, Miss Riley. And we can present it for vote. And Charter, if you wish to vote no, you are more than welcome to. Or you can. I know what I'm welcome to do, you guys. I do. And I know that what we're doing is wrong. So how are we forcing people? That seems like a very white supremacist ideology to force people to comply with, you know, and conform. <laughs> Just letting you know. Privilege. Check it, you guys. I'm at. So I don't want to be a part of forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do. That's what slavery is. I'm not going to be a part of it. So uh, apparently it is a, it is white supremacy. You need to check your privilege if, uh, if you actually are trying to answer and be responsive to the taxpayers. You need to check your privilege. Steve, um, I, you know, we're not advocates of public schools by any stretch of the imagination here on the rundown. But, I mean, you're seeing that even the school boards are saying, why would you make us go back to work? We don't owe anybody an answer. In Chicago, the teachers union is saying, we don't ever want to go back to work until every soul is vaccinated. But then you got Fauci saying that the vaccine doesn't actually help you. It doesn't mean that you're going to return to real life. It doesn't prevent the spread I mean, what the hell is going on? It's called Clown Planet. Welcome. Uh, population us. Uh, I, I, I don't know what happened on December 31st, 1159, 20, uh, 2009, or 20, yeah, when uh, the clock struck 12 midnight and welcome New Year, and everybody quit thinking. Uh, but this is, I don't know how people just go through this and not say, this is ridiculous. What is going on? Why don't people going through the street getting more upset about? They just—it's mind blowing. I don't know what else to say. It's everything's just nuts. I mean, you got there's videos of people going, uh, teachers going through their rooms. There was one about thirty five kids or something like that, and they all got these sectioned off on each desk, 
And she's supposed to, she says, I'm supposed to clean this in between. And how do I keep a five year, a fifth grader with a mm-hmm. muzzle on? It's literally impossible. People are now here in the diocese, there, there are a couple of priests that are wanting to find out a way to stop letting uh, the students muzzle up. So I'm literally trying to find all the priests on our side and trying to work a way to get this up the le- up the ask- up the ladder to the bishop to try to fight this. I'm convinced that if the church gets their heads on right, we could stop. We this could actually. That's a good point. A letter and things like that when secular no. guys are just no. But you're absolutely right. If the working. Catholic hierarchy, at least in the United States, if the USCCB uh, it unanimously spoke with one voice that we actually do trust the science, and the science says that masks don't work. They're actually bad for you. They deprive your body of oxygen and create bacterial buildup in the back of your throat, which can lead to very serious illness. That, uh, but but it's the opposite though. You had Bishop Tobin tweet yesterday. Bishop Tobin, the vaccine is safe, moral, and good. He said it's safe, moral, and good. First of all, Your Excellency, how the hell do you know that it's safe? This is way outside of your competency. Way outside. It's an emergency FDA order. We don't know that it's safe. It hasn't even been tested. You're you're the one that it's being tested on. It's moral. You say it's moral? Which one did you take, Your Excellency? Did you take the one in which a baby had to die so that you can cling to another couple minutes of life? That's the thing. RFK Jr.'s website has the report of how many have died. This was a couple weeks ago. It was like in the high 600s. And that's just a fraction of the reporting. That wasn't all the reporting. It's just a fraction of the reporting. How many 600 some odd died and thousands injured. And you got these rare blood uh, anomalies coming out from all this and they have, it's it's and they say that it's insanity. good though they yeah, say that it's good brother martin when something is integrally good what are the three characteristics in moral theology that something it's for some to call something good for a bishop of the united states a prince of the apostles to call something good intention object and uh sorry kind of out of and it. the circumstances <laughs> Circumstances, yeah, yeah. But it goes back to what the WF talked about in a, po- a couple of podcasts on trying to get the uh, the vaccine uh, 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 confidence up. They said even Event Two Hundred One, bring back that up. They've said they had to get religious leaders involved to basically. Of course they did, and that's the three and a half billion dollar buyout, the buyout and co-opting of the Catholic Church that Trump underwrote. Trump personally was involved with bailing out Catholic schools. He said so. He said he said Cardinal Dolan called me, and I I issued hundreds of millions of dollars. I, again, you go back to the vaccine since we're not on YouTube and we can finally uh, let our hair down, um, guys. How is it a how is it morally good? Uh, is the object good? Is the intention good? Is the circumstance good? And 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 you could know. pick apart they, any of those three know. things, Ryan. They and don't care. They, even, the guys, even if, they got paid to, to, to just like the podcast. They had to get our religious leaders. They right. don't say it. it's on the it's on the iTunes thing. They say they have to get the religious leaders and the churches on board to convince people like us to take the pope. So Tobin I is mean, playing right into their line. You get uh, this is why you know we, we did that interview with Father Ripiger where he laid out the moral principles from moral theologians. You have on the on the contrary side 
a certain Legionnaires of Christ priest that I won't name, who basically cherry picks the moral tradition. And then on top of it, when he sees a principle, he doesn't like, oh, you made that up. And he just dismisses it summarily, but without dealing with the problem. And that's what a lot of these guys are doing. So, I mean, the moral judgment can be wrong. And the other things, you know, because, you know, could or couldn't be right. So let's look at safety. And like you said, Mike, anybody who gets out there with a straight face and says this thing is safe is either an idiot or he is lying. He's one of the two. There's no middle road on that Uh, because I'm sorry, this thing has not been tested. Uh, It did not go under animal testing. It has not been. There is no possibility. It is impossible to know what the long term effects of this thing are. And there's there's they're already seeing what uh, they saw back when they tried a SARS vaccine back in 2014, which is that with, with these various ferrets. They had uh, given them this vaccine, this uh, messenger RNA vaccine that um, was supposed to, I don't know, like Moderna, which never has brought a product to, to market before. They tested the SARS vaccine on, on ferrets. Yeah. And what they found was, oh, look, there's an antibody uptake. That means it's working. As soon as they were exposed to the wild virus, they all died, every single one of them. Why? Because it, it created a situation called pathogenic priming, yeah. where it basically trains Overdrive. the body to say, okay, well, we're not going to fight this. And uh, and the real virus ended up killing and weakened because that's how when, when the actual virus comes in, it uh, you know weakens, it causes your, the failure of your organs to function. And, and that's what all these infectious diseases end up doing, right? So, so I want to know, I want to know which that, vaccine it can't be uh, Tobin took that he says is safe, moral, and good. I want to know, did he take the mRNA yeah, vaccine that changes his, his, his DNA in his body? I want to know, did he take the one that, was, that was from the, the HEK cell line of aborted children that Pam Acker has demonstrated has 200 abortions associated with it? I want to know, which, which one did you take, Your Excellency, that is safe, moral, and good? Mm-hmm. We'll never know. He probably took the placebo, but right. uh, we'll never That's know. That's the thing, too. I mean, you see the Pope gets the, his vaccine. You see all these politicians, celebrities. You almost wonder if they're not getting a bit of saline. Then, then again, you have Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron got it to show, oh, see, I'm going to support this. And he dies like a couple of days later. Um, you know, NAS, baseball legend, um, I always thought he was awesome. He gets this thing. He's dead. You know, and it's like, oh, no. But and then, and then they run in. Oh, there's totally no, healthy too. You know, totally healthy. Correlation is not causation, mm-hmm. but you need correlation to demonstrate causation. So we already we're already more than halfway there, but nobody wants to look into it because well, right, right. Um, he's not the only one though, and uh, I want to kick this back over to Brother Martin. Brother Martin, uh, the pro-life czar in the United States, Archbishop of Kansas City, Kansas, Joseph Nauman. He's supposed to be the one protecting life. He's supposed to be the one protecting the unborn. That is his job. He's the first non-cardinal in ages to hold that thing, that that position. He's the czar. He beat out Supich for it. It made news. Ostensibly, he's a conservative. But, but Brother Martin, do you remember when, when Jeb Bush said crossing the border illegally is an act of love? Now this guy, Nauman, says taking the vaccine is an act of love. How can he even say an that? How is that an love. act of love? It's an act of self-preservation, maybe. Well, you did a lot of good work this week on the on, on restoring the faith when you had Pamela Akers answer that exact question, basically saying the only thing that has been tested and proven is is that this keeps you from contracting uh, COVID. And, and actually, I saw an interview with uh, Dr. Fauci saying that I guess the COVID gets stuck up in your nose or whatever. Uh, and so even though you're a vaccine, you won't get it, but you can still breathe out the same virus. And so that's why you need to keep 
wearing a mask because uh, even though you had the vaccine. Well, well, if that's the case, then then how is how is receiving this vaccine an act of charity towards another person if all it does is protect yourself? That um, there's no logic behind it. Again, um, when bishops say these kinds of things, I mean, I think even Bishop Flores even said that the uh, the vaccines are effective. Uh, they're disregarding. Um, the science that we begin with with scientific principles and then and then add uh, ethical and moral principles on top of those to then arrive at a conclusion. Um, the bishops are completely ignoring the science or or speaking before the, the science is even spoken. Um, and so they're speaking out of turn um, and, and they're and they're not uh, yeah they're speaking out of turn and following how, an agenda. How can, I think how can it, the it faithful brother Martin? How can the faithful be required to assent their intellect and their will to their local ordinary when their ordinary is absolutely off the mark on something so uh, sacred or, as the protection or, of human life? It's it's a good question. I mean, how can we trust them whenever they when they give moral pronouncements such as this how can we trust them if they keep speaking out of turn or they, if they keep speaking um regarding dip, disciplines that aren't their own whether a vaccine is effective or not not even specifying which vaccine mm-hmm. um it does create a, a more a, a moral problem for, for the rest of us who just want to be obedient to our lord's will and believing that our lord speaks to the bishops that the bishops actually serious about their job that they study that and then and they do the necessary research to then speak um, but really, it's just like they want to check off little boxes, saying, "Oh, I spoke to this moral theologian. I spoke to this one." Not really considering the fact that a lot of a lot of priests are compromised with their agenda. A lot of them uh, are in favor of this globalization. Um, they're in favor of this uh, progressive yeah. ideology, um, and that they're using Catholic vocabulary. Well, and Ryan mentioned Ryan mentioned a and certain priest uh, from the Legionnaires of Christ who is very much pro-vaccine. Uh, and he goes out there and pushes the vaccine. He's also very much pro-homosexual agenda, and I call him Father Groomer. He since blocked me on Twitter, but he's the perfect uh, vaccine advocate because he's self-proclaimed autistic, and therefore you can't even you can't argue with him because then you're guilty of some hate crime. I mean, he's a perfect he's the perfect uh, yeah. playboy for vaccines and grooming and all the all of it. Plus, coming from an order founder raped his own kids and, you know, had a woman in every different every city and died impenitent. That's the founder of the Legionnaires of Christ, Marcia mm-hmm. Masia Delegado. So and, and you tell me that doesn't communicate his spirit to that order because every man I knew that was good in that order got out. As soon as that information was publicly available, and they realized it was true. They got out. So, uh, you know, the, that. If somebody's still in, I am highly suspicious of them, and unless they demonstrate otherwise, and he's demonstrating, confirming yeah. all my suspicions. But anyway. uh, Steve, <laughs> we've 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 let our hair down on the vaccines, buddy. It's worse. It, 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 wait, there's more. I mean, 20 years ago, they talked about uh, creating a new species, evolving the human species with nanotechnology. It was back in t- 2004. You have Schwab out there talking about merging the the technology Uh with the human species. What came out this week? Nano! They got all these patches coming out that you can inject things in. Whoa, that's conspiracy theory. They're talking about it. There are links all over the place this week on nanotech and injecting injecting these vaccines or whatever into you. 
And nobody in the pro-life industry or uh, clerics is even. I love that you refer to it as the pro-life industry. <laughs> because oh. that's kind of what it is. <laughs> I wrote an article a number of years ago on the failure of the pro-life movement, where right? on the one hand, I, I noted things like crisis pregnancy centers, like what kind of, all the way that local movements had done a, a tremendous amount of work in stopping abortion. But when it came to political activism, it was all completely d dumb and dumber and, and just get it, getting worse. And it wasn't accomplishing anything. Oh, man, I got hate for that. But it, it, and when you look at too, it becomes there is one criticism that the left cats and the pro aborts have, at least the political side of the pro-life movement. And that is it tends to be very myopic on just that thing of stopping the abortion and, and in terms of its political action. Right. And and that tends to be true. So you, you got to look at the whole the whole thing. It's like why why aren't we getting more funding for women that really are in abusive relationships where the the husband really is you know beating them or psychologically abusing them and they need a spot to get out and maybe hopefully try to work something out if it can be worked out mm -hmm. but where, where do they go you know if you want a major thing that's going to help stop abortion there's something getting to all the root causes and politically speaking that's not happening you know and, and of course then they then the left cats try to take that more to say oh you're just pro birth or whatever you know but but that one end of it is is true enough it's yeah. that politically there isn't enough focus on all the things and this is just another area of it what about the integrity of our own bodies you know that that's a major thing and that the, these people are basically mad scientists with all the funding in the world and all the permission to, to screw up our biosphere screw up our planet i mean right now the whole biosphere is awash in glyphosate glyphosate is um or sorry glyphosate it, it it's basically one of the the ingredients in act in agent orange if you remember that chemical warfare back in vietnam and it's in all of monsanto's roundup pesticide and that stuff is being sprayed it's actually in the biosphere and you can't get it out did anybody do any kind of work study well, what happens if we do this nobody asked they just started doing it the same thing with uh all the experimentations, the genetically modified organisms that they've put in, in food, nobody knows what these things are going to do long term. We just know that their crop yields are lower and they actually are worse than regular conventional crops. They keep propounding the opposite, but the facts don't lie. They just don't work. But what does it allow you to do? They can genetically engineer them not to give off any seeds. So the farmers have to keep buying the seeds every year instead of saying, saving their own seeds. You know, it comes to whoever owns the food controls the world. And there, there it is. I mean, and in the same, now it's our bodies. With all the nanotech, once that stuff's in you, can you get it out? What if it's causing adverse reactions? Um, does anybody know there have been any kind of long-term trials? What happens to a human being over 30 years with this stuff continuing to work in the body? Nobody knows. And and that's the thing. Like that one, that great line in Jurassic Park, um, you know, way back. What's his name? Um, Gar the actor. Goldblum. Uh, yeah, Jeff Goldblum's character. He says, you know, your scientists were moving so fast, do you say, you know, doing so much. They never stopped and asked if you know, not if they could, but mm -hmm. if they should. Mm -hmm. Right. There's another meme that I, I particularly appreciate. Philosophy, you know, shows that a scientist. Science can tell you how to recreate the dinosaurs. There's a scientist, you know, jumping for joy. Then the bottom is the T-Rex coming to eat the scientist. And it says philosophy can tell you why that's not a good idea. Right? <laughs> that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, people are getting punitive about this vaccine. And uh, if you think you're going to be able to live and work in, the, in these United States uh, without it, uh, think again. Uh, no, no more so than in the U.S. military, where military commanders are legitimately now threatening to deploy troops 
into combat zones as a punishment, as a punishment for vaccine hesitancy. Here it is. Meanwhile, thousands of U.S. service members are refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. In fact, only 33% of some Army units are agreeing to the vaccine, which is lower than the rate for the general population, which, according to a survey, is at about 50%. Military leaders are now trying to find a way to convince military men and women to get the shot. One idea, according to a commander, is to send them on deployment, saying those who are on the verge of getting deployed have a higher tendency of getting the shot. Leaders of the military are also concerned with the resistance to the vaccine as troops are deploying to administer shots around the country and they want the servicemen and women to set an example for the nation. Service leaders have campaigned for the vaccine by holding town halls, sending messages, distributing scientific data and posting videos of leaders getting vaccinated. But still, the vaccination rate remains low. Steve, uh, <laughs> what was your comment about this? Take the jab or go die. Uh, they're they're wow. sending you to die. The, That's pretty bleak. That's they, talk about rock in a hard place, man. Goodness. That's a threat. I mean, isn't that a threat? I mean, like, is that even le- even for the military? Is that legal for them to do to a? I mean, a you soldier? would think. Here's here's what I would say as a citizen in these United States, or subject, or uh, or or Fauchist, or whatever you want to call yourself. You would at least hope that if we're going to go and prosecute illegal wars in the Mideast and elsewhere around the world, that we send our best and brightest, that we send our most capable. Not that we just take guys who don't want to take the vaccine and say, okay, round them up. We're going to, the vaccine hesitancy battalion, charge, you know, and uh, go take that hill. Are you kidding me? This is an actual thing? How sick, twisted, perverted is this? It's kind of like Forlorn Hope, which was a a medieval unit they had in... um... The uh, the Holy Roman Emperor Empire, their their military, when they would marshal, they'd get criminals out of prison and give them some big, massive, you know, swords, and say, you know, okay, you go charge and mow down their position and make room for our regulars, you know, to get in there, and then if you do that, uh, you'll get your <laughs> right. freedom. Right. <laughs> if you can survive this, you can. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if oh man, if a jihadi doesn't get you, then I guess you can you can avoid the vaccine. There's a ton of quotes I want to use for that movie, but I can't use any of them. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a sad thing. This is a sad thing. Um, we announced the other the other week that we have footage from the Mars landing. Speaking of the search for life on Mars, now if we find one single microbe on Mars, one microbe, we're gonna we're gonna uh, applaud that there is life. We're going to say this is life. This is intelligent life found outside of planet Earth. Of course, if there's a microbe in a woman's uh, body, it should be torn apart and used for vaccines so that Bishop Tobin can extend his miserable existence. But here's uh, here's the Mars landing. <laughs> There is intelligent life on Mars. Uh, it's the it was the cat. It was the cat that was dancing with the glasses. Remember 2014 when they saw a ball on Mars, a mysterious ball. <laughs> I just I remember when Pluto used to be a planet. 
Um, I also remember when you used to just be able to buy ribeye steak uh, at the grocery store and uh, grill it up on your grill at home, maybe stick it on the Traeger first. I'm a big Traeger guy. Um, we're not going to be able to do that much longer, uh, Steve, because, uh, well, the meat of the future is coming soon to a grocery store near you, yeah? It's all part of the reset that nobody wants to talk about. You got, I mean, they, you, you, people are doing videos of it and putting that as a title, but no one's talking about the fake meat. It's funny how Gates is involved in all this. Like Gates is pushing to, you got the robots taking over the, uh, the planet. I just saw uh, somewhere in the East, to, uh, Toyota has created a smart city with AI cars, robots. You got the robot dogs, which is funny that somebody put a, a gun on top. You see that they put a, it was some kind of uh, website. They put a gun on top of the dog and uh, the people gun. that ran it go, please stop doing that because <laughs> that's probably going to happen. <laughs> it was Boston dynamics. They actually gave a thing where they, they could e- let you rent the thing for a day and showcase how it would work. Yeah. And so this one group, said okay well we're gonna stick a paintball oh, gun on don't give them any and ideas all kinds of video of it just taking stuff out just to freak out the public say hey folks uh terminators <laughs> arrived you know <laughs> it was hysterical <laughs> but no you got all this stuff going on and i mean you, there's you can't name all this including the the passports which you won't be able to get out and travel unless you get these i know things. i'm really and i mean was it? i mean they uh they got a black market right now on pat. For, for, for real so though, like like just to get practical with it, and and I mean we we do a good job of mocking evil on the rundown and and just laughing at what you know what horrible sadistic things await us because you know the saints were joyful even unto death as well. But um, but just to get practical with the whole vaccine passport thing, like I I'm thinking about moving and I I want to get more land and I want to get kind of away and all this stuff. But I need to stay like in the center of the country because I don't plan on flying ever again. I need to be able to drive to places now. And and even that may become an issue. You might have to show, uh, Steve, you might have to demonstrate a vaccine passport when you cross state boundaries now, like, you know, like you'd have to do in Europe. Well, you know where it's going to go is going to go to town boundaries. I mean, Mm -hmm. or even within a town. That's already the way it works in China. And they they already set because I mean they they set this thing up back in 2017, and literally if you go outside, I mean apart from the doors in the smart cities locking you in, if you're not in one of those and you get in the car and you drive, you'll have a checkpoint somewhere just like 10 miles outside your house or five miles outside your house. And if your app doesn't show green, they won't let you go. You got to turn around, and go back, or the cops. I mean that's shoot you. that's that's essentially so what they're it, doing in it, Ireland. You can only go five meters or, or five kilometers um, outside of your house, mm-hmm. and if you're caught more than five kilometers, you're you're in big trouble. Can't go to mass. Ireland's just become a full on fascist state at this point. And if you want to see the future of where everywhere else is going to be, I, they're the, one of the most progressive in Europe in implementing the uh, the future plan. So as, as always, just like under the British Empire, they always tested what they want to do elsewhere in Ireland. Well, that's exactly what's happening under the new empire. And this goes back to you got to think locally. I mean, stop thinking of the entire United States as one big, gigantic landmass like, I don't know, Russia. And think of it as 50 countries inside a union, which United States, United means more than one, uh, states, plural, more than one. And that way you can't fix the whole daggum continent, but you could fix your local and get out of the city. As Ryan was mentioning, cities, 
that's you know I, I'm a big fan of secession, but you won't be able to get the old school idea of South, North, East, West. It's going to be inside your own states, you, like Atlanta, for example. Atlanta is not the rest of Georgia. Get out of Atlanta. Let that you got to fit. You got to change some localities, especially those big cities. But right now, you got to get out of those big cities: Charlotte, Atlanta, Dallas, St. Louis, just L.A., New York, especially. That's just a prison cell that they be they they built for themselves that most people don't want to get out. That's why there's and there's a lot of people that are with money, like uh, a couple of big bankers. They went down to Florida to get out of yeah. NYC. Goldman Sachs. You got to start thinking of getting out of mm-hmm. these areas. I'm glad you mentioned St. Louis because uh, next week I'm going to be covering a story coming out of St. Louis. You got the Archbishop of St. Louis, who is uh, literally having a tutti frutti conference that is co-sponsored by the federal reserve bank of St. Louis. What is the Bishop of St. Louis and the federal reserve bank doing collaborating on tutti frutti? How is that even a thing? Oh boy. What is the, what is the, what does the federal reserve bank have to do with one world religion? One might wonder. Hmm. Mm. Well, I mean, it's part of the all the way back to the 90s the united nations had a one world religion uh, drive foundation and you know it didn't really you know get much steam in the catholic church they had always get apostate priests or people who had left and started their own kind of um weird you know crazy thing but still call themselves catholic like matthew fox or guys like this um but then you know, under Francis, you know, it's picked up steam with uh, incredible force. And now for, prelates are formally in it and formally, you know, to, you know pushing for things like that. And, and it has to link it back to this whole business in Babylon um, and, and so many, you know, the things that are going on, these initiatives are tying in religion with the government so that whatever religion you're in. Um, and they tried this back in the 20s with the eugenics. You know, there was a big movement to, for, by the eugenics movement to get religion on board with this. And at the time, there were a lot of Catholic and Protestant churches that were resisting that. And then, of course, you have World War II and you have the, the fact that the Nazis were big eugenicists that believed they were advancing Darwin and they were implementing, helping evolution along. So eugenics gets a bad name. But now it's back. It still is not using that word, that name. But And I think... Everything for the biosecurity theater, the jab, the, uh, you know, the, the nanoengineering and stuff, it's all eugenics again. It's all, you know, looking to engineer us into, you know, the, in, a new world where in, what's one of the things Bill Gates working on? Um, he's been working on it for years, actually. In, in public, this is not crazy conspiracy theory. He wants to have birth control that's in the body that just you, you just automatically turn it off with a wow. click on your smartphone. That's that's nefarious. Well, uh, if you could do that on your smartphone, then they can of do course. that too. Yeah. Any technology it's like driving a access Tesla. remotely can be accessed. Or, 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 or any yeah, other so smart car. You can hack people's cars. depot or whatever it is. You can hack people's... You decide you turn it off because you're like, well, hey, I, I think we're ready to have a baby. And uh, Bill Gates's population control fund that oversees these things says, nope, no, you're not. You no, no, no time to have anyone be born. It's bad for the planet. And boom. It, and then when do those become mandatory? Well, we understand you mm-hmm. Catholics, but we got to be in the 21st century here. And speaking of fertility, though, that, speaking of fertility, it's, uh, it's fertility rates are down and uh, sperm counts are down. In fact, 
uh, on average, our generation of men has one half the sperm levels of our grandparents. Um, three of us on this program, though, are pretty fertile, though. Uh, <laughs> they want our sperm counts down, though, right, Ryan? <laughs> Well, let's look at this. Yeah, they absolutely do because they want fewer children in the world. They, they literally, I mean, you look at all the, the main people in positions of power now. They're all on the record saying that we need to reduce the world's population mm-hmm. to 500 million. I mean, that's that's a massive reduction from the 7.5 billion we're at now, right? So one of the, the, the issues that, that you, you see now is the declining fertility rates. Now, is that necessarily this big conspiratorial thing, or is it just a, 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 a fact of the new chemical world we live in? You know, and I don't know. I don't have anything to prove that it's all. In it. I would be very surprised if it was not. You know, the intended effect of all the major players, frankly. Mm-hmm. But you know, what can you prove? You can't prove that. So, the fact is, fertility is dropping. Now, there's actually something else to turn uh, attention to. So, everyone knows the Alex Jones bit. It's turn of the friggin' frogs, gay man. Right at the time he said that, there was an actual serious scientific study trying to investigate why so many types of wildlife were not reproducing. One of the things they were looking at is frogs, and actually back to Jurassic Park, I guess. But you remember the whole bit they used the DNA from certain frogs that can switch their genders when they, they, they have a need uh-huh. of preservation and, and whatnot, right? And so they were investigating because these frogs, their genes didn't seem to know what to do, and they weren't reproducing at all. And, it's, and it's, so these scientists that were investigating were, were noting this really big danger to the biosphere in, in, in the tropics and in other places where animals are having problems reproducing. And, and what it is is so much birth control pill in the water everywhere as people are flushing that crap down and, and it goes into all the water streams again in the biosphere, right? If, the, if they're not actively putting it in the water, who knows? So you go to an environmentalist, yeah, we care about the planet, we got to stop our, our emissions. Well, how about we stop using the birth control pill because it's really affecting the ability of all these endangered fish species to reproduce? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. We'll find some other solution for that, <laughs> of course, because it has nothing to do with the environment or the planet. It has everything to do with uh, destroying the family, destroying human be- beings' ability to be free. So, I mean, and that's one of those things that the fish, that's just one instance of so many places where, uh, you know, fertility is dropping. And, you know, and it's going to get full out dystopian before it's done, where most people won't be able to reproduce. And in my opinion... That's by design. In 1972, the non World Economic Forum put out a book, which you can find online or buy for $700, which I would recommend just getting it online. Uh, a Partner in Shaping History, 1972, where the intro right before the Davos, Mon- Davos Manifesto speaks of inspiration from Thomas Malthus. Mm-hmm. If anyone doesn't know, Malthus was a 18th century clergyman that said that the planet's overpopulated. Everyone see there's not enough resources because there's too many people. And so therefore we got to, you know, we got to need to advocate the poor have the worst hygiene. So plagues would just take them out and then we won't feel guilty about it. Because really the issue is not there's too many people. The, the issue is the control of mm-hmm. resources. And the fact that the rich want to stay in not, – not so much the rich, actually, not all the rich. The capitalist class that controls so many things from Bill Gates to Goldman and Sachs to wherever, they want to keep that control and they don't like anyone else getting in the game. They don't like the idea that people could actually control wealth and earn things for themselves because then they won't do what the elites 
want. I mean, you look at every major elite from the Rockefellers to uh, all the big banksters to the JP Morgans to, you know, a lot of European royalty like the, the English monarchy and whatnot. They all say the problem is overpopulation. They're almost evangelized into this gospel of Malthusianism. Malthusianism. And, and it's been proven wrong every single time. It has always been proven wrong. And you know, are the elites Martin. and tying this back into the Pope going to Babylon, who is showing up for every little climate initiative in the Vatican? Uh, Jeffrey Sachs, Paul Ehrlich, guys who actually advocating putting sterilants in the water so women couldn't conceive. Guys who actually believe we need, you know, that the world's so overpopulated, we're all going to die unless we start, you know, mandating that people can only have one kid. And these are the guys being showcased at the Vatican to talk about the climate. Brother Martin, uh, I think so, this underscores got- why, uh, as bad as the world is, we need to urgently all become saints, <laughs> right? Uh, of course. Like uh, Ryan was just saying, we're all going to die. But there's no, there's no one less. There's no one less. We're all going to die. Uh, um, the question is only how and why. Um, but, yeah, we need to become saints because, I mean, we're not promised tomorrow. So, so. Unpopular opinions, gentlemen? No, boy. The whole show has been unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> Let's right go to grift. grift. Let's go right to grift this week. Ryan, what you got, brother? All right, so what do I got? Um, I'm going to talk about a translation that is nearing completion. I'm just editing the last sections now, and my editor is almost caught up with me. She's on the second book. So I'm about to publish next month. For certain, it's going to be next month now. I just don't know what day. Uh, St. Robert Bellarmine's treatise on the sacraments in general, and then also on baptism and confirmation. And so it's... Um, I'm always floored when I go through these things, especially it hits me double because then I have to read it all again after I'm done with it to edit it before it goes to my editor. And as I'm going through it, it's um, it's actually amazing. It's a lot of the things that he brings out there. So in the sacraments, in general, it just covers basic principles of the sacraments and how the Protestants argue one thing and then what the Catholic tradition is. Whenever he touches on ceremonies, this is always the thing that makes me fall out of my chair, um, you know, what he what the Protestants said about ceremonies in the 16th century is more or less what liturgists for apologists for the Novus Ordo have been saying since the 60s. And whenever he you know defines the Catholic position against this, it's what trads say. And, and actually, a key example would be uh, on baptism when he starts talking about the ceremonies of baptism, starting about chapter 24 of uh, the, the, that treatise by that name. He starts laying out the you know what what the protestants argue about ceremonies and he lays out you know what calvin's first he he kind of sets up this argument protestants say you can't add to the word of god you can't have ceremonies and art in the word of god so he starts relating what they put down in their books and says now where do you find that in the word of god right Mm -hmm. because it's not Mm -hmm. but uh calvin says that you can only baptize on sunday and it needs to be in front of the community and so that becomes an act of the whole community and it needs to be accompanied by a sermon it's like hmm what do we find in the you know the normal practice for the Novus Ordo? They only let you do it on Sundays, typically. Uh, they want it to be an act of the whole community and to be accompanied by a special sermon. So you know they they, they don't want you to do private baptisms. They don't want you you know just to when you know certain amount of like a right after the baby's born to come in. Oh no, you got to do these classics, and we'll do it all as this big group, right? And I you know just I just stopped and and then again you know he goes through the other ceremonies for baptism. He gets to the exorcism. 
The exorcism before baptism. Now, if you've never been to the traditional rite or to the Eastern, uh, you know, divine liturgy, and seen a baptism there. There is an exorcism that precedes the baptism, and there always has been. Even the fathers talk about it. Tertullian talks about it, and Bellarmine lays this out. And he says, Calvin um, you know, can do nothing more than and mock these ceremonies. But I will show you now that these are from the ancient fathers, and he mocks not only the fathers, but the practice of the whole church. Yet again, liturgists since the 60s do exactly like Calvin and mock the ceremonies of exorcism preceding baptism, and they don't have that mm-hmm. in the Novus Ordo. The only liturgy in the history of the church not to have an exorcism before baptism. And yet they it, it's like and it's like there's always this kind of inversion or, or not inversion, a projection where they, they call trads Protestant. But they're the ones who've embraced all the Protestantism. So it's like but anyway, so this book, you know, and it just and so many other incredible things that are in it, you know, discussing the sacraments, the treatise from scripture, a lot of scripture likes Jesus, where he just shows the Protestants are basically misusing or adding to scripture themselves. It's really great work. So that should be out in May on the sacraments in general and on baptism. So watch for that. As soon as I have the last edited sections, I'm going to put up a pre-order. I love that. that. Anything that uh, dunks on Prodi's, um and the Novus Ordo combined is like, <laughs> that's, that's my forte. <laughs> Was just like in his treatise on the mass too. I almost fell out of my chair with some things that he really? said there because he was relating what the Protestants set up in their formulary for how you should do liturgy, and it's exactly what we've seen since the '60s. And he lays out this you know wonderful defense for what is now the traditional Latin mass, and in his time, just the mass that every Catholic in the West went to. So, like the one place where he shows the antiquity of the Roman canon. And he says, now the Protestants with all their canons, that is their Eucharistic prayers that they've come up with, let them show the antiquity of their canons. Because he shows how Leo the Great and people even earlier, St. Ambrose, are referencing the Roman canon and a significant part of it. So it shows this thing really is the oldest prayer in the church, whereas the other three Eucharistic prayers, not to mention them, all the eight or so for masses with children, which is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um all these prayers were written in the 60s. Even Eucharistic prayer two, which they claim came from Hippolytus, it's been uh, irrefutably shown now that it was about maybe 18 words that came from Hippolytus and then the Bonini's Concilium just filled in the blanks with the rest of what makes that prayer. So, you know, the antiquity of, 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 of the Roman canon is <clears throat> is incredible. And he says, show the antiquity of your canons. The Novus Ordo canon. I'm buying the book. Uh, I'm definitely going to buy the book. Brother Martin, uh, I want to grift for you for a second. Is that okay? Um, my, my, grift, sure. my grift for Go the for week it. is, it's kind of an anti-grift. I want to encourage people to not give a dime to your local diocese. We're in a state of emergency, ladies and gentlemen, and they're just going to piss away your hard-earned money into stupid ecumenical, interreligious, woke, uh, tutti-frutti programs. Instead, what I uh, proffer to you, and I hope to get this video out in the next week or two, are traditional orders that you can donate to. And you do still have to tie to the church. You have to support the church. It's a precept of the church. It's one of the six of them, one of the six laws of the church. Why not take your hard-earned tithe and send it on over to the Oblates of St. Augustine? Brother Martin, you want to? Can, can you top that, Brother Martin? <laughs> we live in pretty, pretty dire times. I mean, if you listen to their rundown, you hear everything about the the bishops basically handing us over to uh, to the state, as as I mean, the Holy Father has done to the the Chinese Catholics uh, to their state. Um, 
thing that we're going to be able to do on our judgment day is answer to Almighty God what we've done in in this time. This, I mean, what we've got is what we've got. The time that we've got is is the time that we've got. The means that we have uh, to fight may not be much. Um, we might just be simple citizens, simple lay people without a whole lot of authority to change things. Um, but we're still going to be responsible for the talents that we've been given. Yeah. And talents, not necessarily like our skill set, but our talents as in like where our Lord has placed us in the time that he's placed us. Um, many of you will be able to answer to Almighty God that you raised three, four, five children in the faith and that they kept the faith. Um, that's absolutely commendable. Um, for me and my part, the only thing that I can say and what I want to say to our Lord is that uh, I did everything that in my power to, to learn the Catholic faith and to hand it on to others, to form others, to be saints. Um but that also certainly implies that we need some help. Um, so I only offer to you guys uh, that are listening to, uh, if you're able to, um, be able to add one more thing that you're able to say to our Lord on your judgment day, is that not only did you found a traditional Catholic family to pass on the Catholic faith, but you also helped found a traditional monastery to carry that on as well. Um, I know some of you are uh, might be more able to do that than some others. Every little bit counts. I mean, I get literally... Uh, five dollars every week from one one particular benefactor, mm-hmm. and, and everything helps. Literally, we don't turn away anything, and we pray for everyone. That's um, a pretty solid grift. So I only offer that I'm, to you. I'm glad you. I know the technology worked against us this morning, and you were in and out with your internet, brother Martin. But uh, well, that was a pretty fantastic grift. My hat's off to you. <laughs> you don't have a hat. On. I don't have a hat. <laughs> Steve, close us out, brother. Uh, well, I got a, one of the fans of the show, Nathan, uh, forgive me if I butcher your name, Fukodo, Fukodo, Fukod? Uh definitely Cajun uh, from Louisiana, sent some prayer cards, he's about five by eight, what is it, uh, three by fives, he does his own art, uh, the art's fantastic, plus if you see the new flag that he sent me, uh, <clears throat> a St. Joan of Art flag. Good as you're going to get uh, for a rectangle one. I asked some historians how good it was, and they said it was pretty, pretty legit, for, especially for a rectangle one. So it's on his website. I'll have it linked up uh, if you want to support his, uh, get some of the stuff. The prayer cards are fantastic. There's a St. Philomena one. He's got a little her getting shot with arrows in the sky, just some pits of her life right there. But it's uh, fantastic. Laugh and St. Roche right here. Uh, yeah, uh, help a brother. I help that brother out, I guess. Thanks, Nate. Nate D-O, double G. Thank you, man. This is a rundown. See you next week.